Welcome back, everyone. Brand new episode of What's Good. Greg Maskell here with you talking more basketball. Earlier episode, we talked 3x3 with Kareem Maddox and now one of Kareem's teammates, also someone hoping to be part of the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Here, Carrington, here, great to be with you. You as well, Greg. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. What's good, everybody? What's exactly. good? Exactly. What What is good? And, and what's good is what you're after here, right? Trying to be a part of history in the world of Olympic sports. First time 3x3 basketball is going to get a chance on the world stage. A lot of sports getting a new opportunity, surfing, skateboarding, 3x3, one of them. Um, I know that you're in a position now where you're the alternate for the qualifying opportunity, but just tell me where your mind's at with the Olympics six months away. Uh, right now, my mind is at number one, just kind of like taking care of myself. Uh, the last year has been, uh, it's been unlike anything any of us have ever seen. So, you know, really mentally, you know what I mean? Making sure I'm taking care of myself, staying sharp, staying positive, and then physically as well, making sure that I'm, you know, staying in good enough shape to be able to, to ramp back up and be ready to compete, uh, you know, at high level basketball. And that's been, that's been difficult to do during this time, just because, you know, different restrictions. I'm in New York City. Uh, so we've been uh, pretty tight with, with different restrictions, trying to, you know, slow down the spread of COVID and everything, but it hasn't allowed for as much playing in basketball. So um, I've just been trying to do different things to stay sharp, keep my mind sharp, keep my body sharp and, uh, and be ready once once that opportunity comes comes around. And, and you're in this position and this is a, a classic Olympic athlete position that maybe doesn't happen as often in uh, mainstream sports, perhaps, where uh, you want USA Basketball to obviously qualify. That qualifying yeah. isn't necessarily the team that'll get picked, so it's possible that the guys could qualify and then you get to be on the team that goes to Tokyo. How do you, and this is a thing that so many athletes deal with, right, but it's like, how do you process, I want to be a part of this, I want those guys to do well, and that kind of inherent competition of individual goals and yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing to remember is just like control what you can control. Like, and uh, what I mean by that is like, I, I can't control, you know what I mean? Like what uh, the judges or the people that are judging us when we play and things like that, who they pick, how they're trying to build a team. Um, you know, I think in my position specifically, I think the guys, you know, that are on the team are really good. They're also my teammates, you know, like Robbie Hummel. NBA player, one of the greatest probably Big Ten players ever, uh, you know, at, at Purdue. Um, Kareem Maddox, you know, crazy athletic, inside, outside, you know what I mean? Like, I play against these guys every day. I know exactly how good they are, so I don't take it as any slight that, you know what I mean, um, they're ahead. And I can't control, again, like I said, like what kind of team that the judges may be trying to build and coach may be trying to build. But what I can control is, like, what I do between those lines. And, you know, I'm proud of how I played both on the pro circuit as well as, um, you know, when we had the Olympic qualifying tryout. Um, I, I feel like I came in prepared. I feel like I played well, shot well, um, won games most importantly. So I just try to stay focused on that stuff. And also, like, you just never know what's going to happen. Like, being an alternate, it's, it's a really funny position to be in because you're kind of in this, like, state of purgatory. Like, you want, like, you want to, like you said, you want to see those guys do well. But I also want to, you know what I mean, be on the team. Um, so I think it's just a, a good amount of control what you can control and stay ready. And um, certainly not wishing injury on anybody or anything like that. But, like, that is something that also happens. Um, you know what I mean? Like, most of us are all, like, over 30. Uh, we, we work other jobs and things like that, too. Um, you know, basketball is not any of ours, like, full-time job or occupation. Um, so 
you know, you just you just got to stay ready, man. Um, and I think that, you know, as much as it's about the physical, it's about the mental, too. Just staying, like I said, mentally sharp, mentally focused on the, on the goal. Well, and, and you mentioned being in New York City. You know, you're like the, the understudy on Broadway, right? Like, you know all the lines. You know all the moves. You could do it, yeah. right, just as well. But it's there's factors at place that you, as, as you alluded to, you really can't control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I like you said, factors you can't control. And uh, and I neglected to mention uh, Canyon Barry, too, and Damo Jones. All those guys are, are really excellent players. Canyon, he's playing in the G League right now, too. Uh, you know, son of Rick Barry, uh, you know, NBA Hall of Famer. Um, so, you know, like I said, like we kind of we're at a little bit of a log jam with guys that are like six, eight, six, nine on our team. You know what I mean? So I think they go like six, nine, six, nine, six, seven, six, eight. And then you got Damo, who's, uh, you know, five, five, ten, five, eleven or whatever. So, like, you know, just understanding, too, like I said, it's, it's a competitive spot. And, uh, you know, I'll be ready when opportunity presents and, you know, keep those guys sharp, too, you know, through any tryouts and trials that we have. I, I talked with Kareem not long ago as well, and he was asking him a similar question, but like him, you had a strong college career at Lehigh, played well, team went to the tournament, turned turn that program around, right, at, at one point, you yeah, one of yeah. the best in your, in your conference. When you look at how you've transitioned to two, 3x3, what is it about your basketball skills that, that work well in that type of basketball? Not that they didn't work well in five on five, but they really yeah. work well in 3x3. First of all, Greg, shout out to you for knowing about the, 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 Lehigh, uh, the Lehigh champions that we were back in 2010, getting our squad to the tournament. Uh, got to shout out my guys, my teammates, Marquise and CJ and Gabe and all those guys. We had some really um, – some really special teams and, you know, I, I love those guys. So, um, but I think that, you know, my game translated well into 3x3 because uh, athleticism, I have the ability to, to guard uh, multiple positions. And, and in 3x3, one of the biggest differences between in 5 on 5 you know, less so now, but is, is that it's kind of positionless basketball. You need to be able to do a little bit of everything. And we're seeing more of that now in the NBA. Uh, you see it with teams like the Nets, where you got like KD playing the five, but also bringing the ball up to court. Uh, you know, guys like Draymond Green, who's a traditionally uh, small forward, but you know, what I mean, also also can run some point, play some center for you. Um, you know, combo guards that'll play like guys like LeBron. So, like positionless basketball, I think, is a theme that's kind of you know, it's injecting its way through all types of basketball. And um, you know, I have some of those attributes, being able to guard multiple positions being able to, to get to the basket, being able to, to shoot some, being able to, you know, get to the line, play on the block. So, you know, when you, the more things you can do, I think it helps to translate your game really well to, uh, to three on three. And then, you know, you gotta be a little bit of a dog too. Um, three on three is, it's, it's a tough sport. It's, it's way more physical. So, um, you know, I think that part of my game also translated really well from five on five to three on three. So. Yeah, that, that's been a recurring theme is that the physicality of, of 3x3. I think it takes people back to the to the park. Right? I love it. You know, call your, call your own foul sort of vibe and energy, right, of like there's just the three yeah. of us. Right? And we're going to kind of grind it out. Winter stays on sort of, sort of feeling lots of outdoor competitions. It really does take you back to growing up and playing outside, it feels like anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, we're talking a little bit um... – you know, about 90s hoops for a second. And, uh, you know, like, and that was like a big kind of trademark of it, like the hand checking, the, you know, kind of like ride guys a little bit more going to the rim in 3x3. 
Um, you know, you can also play the ball in the rim too on the cylinder. You're playing international rules, which makes for, you know, like jockeying for that position under the basket a little more, uh, you know, important because, you know, sometimes guys are tipping off your shots when you're in offense and stuff too. So, um, you know, it, it's fun, man. It's, it, it's fun. Like I said, like the physicality is something I've always kind of enjoyed. It makes you, you know, have to think a little bit more too. Um, knowing that, you know, you don't just have to make a layup or, or get by your guy, but be able to kind of like hold him off or be able to withstand that, that little extra hand on your hip as you're, as you're dribbling and stuff. So it's cool. I'm sure this is a, this is a longer story, but, but in general, what's your, what was your path to becoming one of the best three X three guys to do it here in the U S from traditional college basketball player to now this new style of hoops? Um, you know, I, it's a little bit of a long story, but I was, I'll say, like, um, I, it was unique, man. Three-on-three three basketball, like you said, it's it's an Olympic sport for the first time this upcoming year at the Summer Games. So, like, uh, this is something I didn't even know was possible five, six years ago. You know, I know three-on-three has three kind of been growing in popularity since around, like, 2012, 2013, I want to say. Um, but it was something that I didn't know anything about until uh, my teammate, you know, at the time he was my roommate, Craig Moore, uh, you know, he had kind of let me know about around like 2016. And at the time I was like, just moved to New York. I got, you know, kind of, you know, I'm working and enjoying the city. I'm 25, 26, whatever is in New York. I'm partying and hanging out and stuff, but I still love to play basketball. Like the one thing that's, that's, that's awesome about living in New York is you can get some great runs all the time. Any time of the year, like in the summertime, this place is like, it's jumping. You got Dykeman, you got Rucker Park, you got West Ford, you got Gershaw in Brooklyn, you got uh, like Pro City, uh, Nike Run Pro-Am League, which is basically like the Drew League in, in LA, yeah, like Pro City in New York. So, and, and I played in all those leagues, you know, Basketball City. So I was always playing, I was still playing at a high level. And like I said, being in New York, you always have guys here that are good just like New York Hoopers from the street, but then you got guys who, you know, played in the Ivy League and now they're they're bankers and stuff on Wall Street, but still wanna, you know what I mean, like get a run in. So basketball city, the leagues are intense. You know what I mean? You got guys who are pros in Europe that are from here and live here. So the basketball level stayed high. I was able to always stay stay hooping and staying in shape. And then, uh, you know, back in like 2017, Craig invited me to play with these guys um for the three on three nationals and we won uh we became the, the the u.s national team uh which we are still holding uh team princeton so three years in a row we've been the, the national champs since uh since 2017 that's the title we we hold uh we hold you know hold and take that personally but um and so like and it just kind of came a whirlwind from there so i was you know working in the city i have a full-time career in medical device sales i stayed hooping and just you know because i love the game and then uh, in 2017 is when I got introduced to 3x3, and it's been just like, you know, history since, I guess. No, that's great. And uh, not not to get sidetracked, but I love that you brought up some of these iconic courts in New York City. I think people always think yeah. of Rucker and West 4th Street and that sort of thing. But outside of a league, right, so not something structured that someone brought you in, let's just say there's a good open run happening at one of these courts. Take the, yeah. take the average person through. What's the, what's the process to get on? Yeah, so first of all, I would say you got to look like you can play. Like, if you, if you, <laughs> like, because the competition is that good. So, like, you know, it's it's tough to, like, you know, you don't want to stereotype people and stuff, but, like, if you look like you can't hoop, people are just going to look past you. You know what I mean? 
I'm like kind of got to be a little bit like in the know because like I said like you know it's guys who have who have played at you know some of these uh elite New York schools you know what I mean whether it be high school or college like guys that have names that you have guys you know from the street that got that got names as well that never played anywhere organized or uh so the competition stuff so you guys like you can play uh and when you when you get a chance to get on the court you better do something you better do something. You better foul somebody hard. You better make this the one shot. You, you got to do something. You got to, you know what I mean, make an impact right away uh, if you want to stay. So, you know, New York City basketball is tough, man. It's tough. Is there a, a memory that you have of one of these courts in New York City where you showed up and it was, and you got on and it was like, I can, I can hang here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with this level of play. Yeah, you know what? So I grew up in, in Philly, I, I told you. Um, so we, like, I grew up, like, hating New York because we have, like, complex, <laughs> uh, you know, because, like, people from New York, they're always just like, we're the best, this, that, like, Rucker Park. They're like, yo, I'm not trying to hear that. You know what I mean? Like, what's, what's up with Villanova? What's up with Temple? Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm from. But, um, yeah, I think when I started, so I always had that chip on my shoulder, even playing up here, you know, so many of these guys had a name from high school, or from, you know, from college or whatever like that. And, uh, you know, and I, and nobody, like, they didn't really know me. I went to Lehigh, you know what I mean? Like some people might've heard of us, but they didn't really know me. So, you know, I was, I was destined, like I felt responsible. Like I wanted to make a name for myself. And I think it was Pro City uh, in one of my first years playing there, which is like the big pro-am, you know, you got pro guys that play, Kevin Durant played in it. Ron Artest, Lance Stevenson, he usually uh, plays a couple games a year. Uh, and I had like 27 or 29 in one of like my first games playing in there. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like I, I can hang with these dudes. And then um, another time when I, I caught a body, I, I dunked on somebody like at, uh, at Dykeman when like Dykeman's just like, it's electric, man. Like people are like literally on the court. You can barely like get up and down. It's just how many people are there and the energy is crazy. And uh, it was a play where the dude, he came down and he missed the dunk and then we got it going the other way. And I caught it and just like went up and banged on the dude. So those are two that I think back on very fondly. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, I, I'm well aware I would not get picked. So I just am always curious <laughs> that process, you know, was like, uh, that's, that's very interesting. I was going to say this. If, if you're white and you're playing in those places, everybody thinks you can shoot. So yeah, yeah. better be, and then if you, if you get a shot, you got to make it. Those are yeah. like the, it's unfortunate, but you know what I mean? No, that's, this is, uh, it it's funny you say this because <laughs> years ago, I, this is a long time ago. I, I, I played at uh, Marine Park in Brooklyn, which is not a famous park for anybody, oh, yeah. but there was a run going on and I was the only white guy in the court. And the amount of times that they snapped passes to me at the three-point line and were like, put it up, shoot it, shoot it. That was my lone role. Shoot, 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 you know? And like some some went in, some didn't, but I was not the marksman that they were hoping for, you know? And that- so You got you to be, but if you are, you have a long career, man. You could have been pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> he just shoots the three. Exactly, exactly. Um, I ask a lot of Olympic hopefuls about this and it's, I feel like it's different. And I was explaining this to Kareem too. I feel like it's different for those that are in what I would call the more mainstream Olympic sports, right? A basketball, a golf, ice hockey, right? Because the pros are maybe part of your vision as you're coming up, but for traditional Olympic sports, a gymnastics, a swimming, 
a lot of those athletes, soccer will tell you, I wanted to be an Olympian from age four. I watched the Olympics and I knew I didn't care what I made it in. I just knew I wanted to be an Olympian. When you think about coming up as a kid, where were the Olympics in your mind? Was it a dream? How'd you feel about them? It was, I, I can't say it was ever a dream only because like, I, I, I found basketball late, number one. Like I didn't start playing organized basketball till like eighth grade, almost ninth grade. Like I, my parents were very like school first, make that your focus. I was also, I was mad awkward. Like I was like, I had no coordination whatsoever. So it started to come together for me later. So I didn't really play. I didn't think about sports like that, but I, I did always love the Olympics. Uh, I remember like the 2000 Olympics were like in Sydney and uh, the Australian swimming team was, was crazy good that year. And like, I remember like, just like loving the Australian swimming team. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and obviously like basketball, you know, the Vince Carter and, you know, AI days. And then like, you know, we had the redeem team after 24, 2004 and 2008 and stuff. Uh, so like, I always loved the Olympics, but I, I can never say it was like a, a dream of mine or like something until like more recently. Uh, because, you know, you think about the Olympics, like I said, you think about Kobe, you think about Carmelo, Michael Jordan, like, not just like NBA guys, like the best of the best ever, you know what I mean? And as good as I think I am, I never considered myself to be on any of those dudes. So, um, you know, so it wasn't like, you know, so much a, a dream until more recently. And it, it was really like a oh shit moment, like, you know, the opportunity, like, like we played in the World Cup in uh, in 2017 and like having like, I know this might sound stupid, but like having a, a USA jersey with my name on it and like my my name stitched onto it was like, you know, I started just like reimagining what was possible. And, um, you know, like it, it's still possible. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting there. Yeah. And, and as we talked about, right, uh, still still up in the air, of course, qualifying, but then how this team will be named, but do you let yourself kind of daydream about, about being an Olympian in Tokyo? What does that look like in your mind if everything bounces your way? Uh, if everything bounces my way, this is what it'll look like. Let me see. <laughs> One, we're, we're going to qualify. I know that regardless of, not regardless of who we send, but, you know, the guys that are in the pool, you know, to be sent, guys that are on the team currently, other guys that are in the, the, the other kind of like pool, um, are very good, very talented. And I think that like us as a country, we've started to finally like put it together with this sport. So I think that number one, we qualify, boom, we get that out of the way. Uh, Canyon or someone on the team, like, I don't know, like Robbie, he's like commentating and can't go or, you know, or like, you know, is calling the Masters. He, that's probably like his dream. I think Robbie might not play in the Olympics if he gets to call the Masters. He loves golf that much. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Or like, I don't know, Kane's like winning a G League championship or something. I, I get the I get the call up. I come in, we play, uh, we end up playing Serbia in the, the championship because I think they've dominated the game of 3x3 basketball uh, so far in recent history. And I think it's only right, you know, you go through the best. And uh, we win gold, Confetti Falls. Uh, you know, we get to go do some more great shows and podcasts like this. And that's how it goes. And then we get to do the, uh, you know, the Olympic, when you get the, the medal ceremony. I think the things that I think I've like kind of dream about the most is like the the entrance you know you see all the athletes all oh, the, the countries opening ceremony yep opening ceremony yeah like that's always a really cool and powerful moment um and then obviously like the different the medal ceremony so if we go there you know we're going there to win so. 
That's what it looks. <laughs> I, I just I just love that you sketched it out because I you know I talked to a lot of Olympians and there's a lot of uh, like I don't want to jinx the whole thing and so people won't they they certainly have that exact dream in their head as you've laid it out but yeah. I think in in some for some athletes there's a feeling of I I can't really talk about that because I just need to focus on the work but I think more and more you're hearing people say like what's wrong with explaining what I'm after like it's okay to talk about the dream out loud. I mean, yeah. Also, like, if you're putting in the work, like, you know, nothing's promised, nothing's guaranteed. I don't say that to any disrespect to any other countries. Yeah, I mean, like, that's who are, uh, you know, the other countries that are going to represent at the Olympics in 3X3, uh, they're good. You know, I think about Latvia, I think about Serbia, uh, Russia, like, all, all these countries, they have, uh, and this is very much their sport. Like, a lot of Eastern European countries have, have really owned this sport, and they're good. Um, so I don't take that for granted at all, but at the same time, you know what I mean? Like when you're doing these workouts, when you're waking up at 5 a.m., I know like those are some of the things that are motivating me, uh, you know, to, to do that and put in that work. Um, so, you know, the, like the, go, the work goes without saying kind of for me and for all those other guys that are already on the team, like the work is going to get put in, but you know, that's what we're working for. Like the, those moments too, you know? You had hit on this, right? But for a lot of guys playing 3x3, this is just a part of their life. You have a full-time job, you got families, other things going on. If, if it doesn't work out for you this time around, is this a thing you want to keep doing four years from now? Um, I don't know. Answering that, honestly, I, I really don't know. Um, you know, there's other things in my life that, you know, especially too with, with COVID happening, like, you know, it kind of made a, a little bit of a shift in like where your priorities are. Like you could play basketball as much as hoop, and like I love hooping. As long as my body lets me, I want to keep playing. Um, you know, but if it's another four years from now, I don't know. Hopefully, I can. I got married this year earlier, so okay. you never know. Like family planning and stuff like that might come in, but um, you know, I want to play for as long as I can. And you know, my wife supports me in that too. So just keep it going, man. Take it a day at a time. Uh, start of the pandemic, there was obviously a lot in the news, uh, not only about how to battle this new disease, but then a lot of stuff in the wake of racial inequality, right? Social equity, mm -hmm. all these things came to the surface. You saw so many leagues take part in different demonstrations, uh, shirts, protests, speeches, all this sort of stuff. The Olympic Games has typically been an off-limits area, right? There's usually a, a lot of rules. There are the iconic moments where you go back to the Mexico City Games, the yeah. this on the podium, that sort of thing. Those rules are are changing slightly, right? The U.S. Olympic Committee has has made changes in that regard, where they're they won't be as strict with those sorts of things that they had been in the past. Looking at your Instagram, right, I've seen you taking part in certain things. How is this whole intersection of sports and racial inequality, uh, whether it's police violence, however you want to describe it, yeah. how's that how's that intersected for you, and how have you kind of process what your voice in this should be i mean it's always been a, a big part of my life um you know obviously just being a black man and educated in uh so many of these things because i think you know it's important to actually to be educated on these like there's a history of all these things that you said like the mexico city games uh you know other athletes who have you know spoken out and protested in demonstration colin kaepernick yeah guys and he's in the NBA, like Sharif Abdul-Raouf and, you know, like, so 
none of this necessarily is new. Um, I don't think that for me so far, just because we haven't, I haven't played like in the last year when so much of this stuff has uh, kind of happened and become at the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, I haven't really, you know, thought about like what I would do in the situation or, you know, but um, whatever I do, I think it'll be, it'll be true to me and, and who I am, what I believe and value and stuff at that time. Um, but it, it's a proud moment to wear the USA across your chest. It's also, you know, I got to be honest, like it can be, um, it can feel somewhat conflicted at, at some time, you know what I mean? Like understanding, like you said, some of the different, um, the racial inequity that happens or the, the, the police violence and things like that. And so like, you know, when you, when you wear that USA, you represent all of that too, all the good, but also all the, all the bad. Um, and that could be, you know, it could just create some complicated feelings sometimes um, while even still being a proud moment. But uh, yeah, I don't know what I would necessarily do in, in that moment or situation, um, but you know, whatever it is, it'll be true to me and my values. Yeah, and you bring up a great point, and this happens with international travel, especially for athletes, right? You can be be a little bit in a vacuum living in the U.S., and certainly everyone's, or I would hope most people are aware of what goes on in different parts of the country, but a lot of people have a general pride of, of where they're from. But when you go abroad, like to an Olympics or elsewhere, right, to your point, you answer for everything that this means, right? Yeah. So it's, oh, you're from the U.S., and you learn quickly what someone else is <laughs> knowledge of the country is or their opinion and it's, it, it can be an eye-opening experience yeah man we uh you know we spend a lot of time with other teams you know what i mean it's you know it's a circuit of guys and so you get the same players from the same countries a lot of times we get to know each other we get to you know form friendships and stuff and they definitely uh you know we've gotten our, our, our chops busted a, a good amount just, just some of the the political theater and uh, you know, craziness that's gone on, you know, particularly in the last 40 years and stuff. So, um, you know, we hear it and it's, it's interesting to see too, because a lot of other people in other countries, they, they keep up with, you know, our politics and our pop culture and stuff. You know, America is, is, is kind of like a, it's on reality TV all the time for the rest of the world. So um, yeah, you're right. You're right. And, it, and it's, you know, it's fascinating. I think sometimes to know what, what's penetrated elsewhere. Right. So, we, we have our yeah. own sense of what's important here, but what's the thing that someone in Serbia or in the UK picked up on and then might ask you about? It? And you're like, oh, that's that's what's trending over there about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously, you know, uh, I, the work, my company that I work for is, uh, is, is actually a Danish company. So I interact with a lot of um, uh, folks over there in Denmark. And, you know, when we had the violence at the Capitol, the riots at the Capitol almost a month ago now, and I had some calls with them and they're like, you know, like, what is going on? Like, like I'm like, like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're like, that has nothing to do with me. But, you know, again, like you speak for all that. When you wear this across your chest, you know, people, you know, are good and are bad. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm still proud to, to, to wear it. And, you know, I hope to again someday. But um, it is what it is, man. <laughs> like, uh, on, on, on some lighter topics. And, uh, you yeah. talked about one of my favorite things in basketball earlier dunking. So, uh, just a few questions about this realm. First time you dunked a basketball, what's the, what's the memory of the story? First time I dunked the basketball, it was eighth grade. Uh, there was like summer tryouts for this AAU team. And, uh, it was somewhere between like eighth and ninth grade. And I remember I caught it. Oh, I could just, 
<laughs> so hyped too, man. That first one is uh, so because you because like nobody talks about like the amount of tries that goes into like before you get that first one, you probably tried to dunk maybe like two thousand times and like hang <laughs> your wrist, like you know had to, like the ball went too far, you had to run and get it after like go off the back of the rim and stuff. So um, eighth grade. Excellent. Uh, on your Instagram, there, there, there are a couple of highlight videos, and and in one, there's a sequence where you just hammer it on somebody, and then a moment later, you block someone's shot, and again, you're just pinning it on the glass. And so, start first, and I think you refer to it as catching a body, which I also love. But um, describe the the emotion of dunking on someone. What what does that feel like? Yeah, it's. Is this like a PG show? What's it like? Yeah, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, it, I mean, you know, it's if you could like let out like the loudest like roar, you know what I mean? Like, like, if you, like it's just like the most raw feeling of emotion kind of leaving your body, you know? Um, at least for me too. Uh, like that's that's what it feels like when you really kind of just like. And I try to like rip the rim off when I dunk. It's like. It is an emotional, like aggressive thing because you know it sends a message when you dunk on somebody or you dunk hard. And you know, thankfully for me, throughout my career, high school, college, you know, I I know that feeling because you can like demoralize another team and their fans with just like one basket. And like, you know, and for some people, they do it to three. You know what I mean? Like Craig, he's on our team. He he can just kill you with the three ball and like, I, don't, I can't shoot like Craig or Damon or Dan, any of those guys or Robbie, but um, you know, like that's kind of like my equalizer where you can like change the momentum of a game with the dunk, man. It's the greatest feeling in the world. So like, I mean, yeah, it's up there. Top three at least. <laughs> and then, and then on the flip side, I imagine once upon a time you've been dunked on at some point in your life. Yo, you'll be surprised. I like, I've been able to, uh, I've been able to escape I've definitely gotten. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say I haven't gotten dunked on because I definitely have. But it's not that. It's not that many times. I can't even. I'm trying to think of uh, like anybody. Yo, you know who got me one time uh, in the NBA? Uh, played for the Blazers. I think it was uh, like Noah Vonley. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in the summer, a couple times, and. Um, and he, he caught he's caught me before like in some in some runs at the NIAC. And then uh this kid uh who plays he just got drafted this year from Memphis that plays in Miami now, Precious. Okay. Yo, that kid was a pro in 10th grade. Like I, we were playing again. Like, his body was almost like that big, but just the most athletic, you know what I mean? Like blocking shots almost like at you know what I mean, the top of the square in the backboard. Um, so yeah, I, I've gotten caught a couple of times, but not too many. And then to block someone's shot and just like, not like a little tip, but like erase the thought they had of scoring completely. Oh man, that's, that's fun too. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. Right next to Duncan, like being able to block somebody's shot is, is, is right there. Um, especially for me, like in college, I would like, if I ever caught like a guy on like a one-on-one break, like. You know, I, I know how to kind of like take away the angle so you don't get dunked on, number one. Like some of it's like doing your work before you get to the air to make sure they don't really have an angle to dunk on you. Um, and then just like pinning it up against the backboard, coming down and like starting to break the other way. Uh, yeah, it's fun. 
made me miss it. Your twenty, uh, your twenty ten uh, N N N C A A trip, right, with Lehigh, and there's yeah. a, there's a video of you have a you have a nice jam in that game against Kansas, right? Yeah, on Thomas Robinson. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I you know I've been I've been I've been dunking for some years, man, and uh, that was fun. That was that was a really good ten Kansas team. They were number one overall seed team that year. Uh, I think they had like seven or eight lottery picks on that squad. Uh, maybe not lottery picks, but definitely like seven or eight NBA players. Most of them were lottery though. Morris Twins, Cole Aldridge, Thomas Robinson, Xavier Henry. They had a, they had a squad. Man. You know, and I don't, I don't have to have gone to Lehigh. I went to Monmouth, so I know that level of basketball where it's, you know, not. Yes, we played Monmouth too, man. Yeah, right. And so, yeah. <laughs> but so when you get a chance to be in the NCAA tournament, not even as a player, but as a fan, right? And uh, in your case, right, you don't get a chance to get past Kansas, but a moment like that will stick out for fans. Like if you were a Lehigh yeah. fan, it was like, Hey, we didn't get the win. Remember when like Zaheer like poked on Thomas Robinson? Like that was something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not one for any kind of uh, moral victories for sure, but it, it does mean a lot coming from a school like like Monmouth, like Lehigh, um, and that that lived on for for a long time. But you know, those moments are important too for schools like ours because you know what? Like that was also the freshman year of CJ McCollum. Gabe Knutson, Holden Griner, all these guys went on to be thousand point scorers, thousand plus CJ, two thousand points. Um, and then what that did was in that moment we played Kansas and we were up at half a little bit, maybe like up four, either up or down four, and like it was close to you know 80 percent of the game. And they pulled away and took it beyond ten in the last uh, couple minutes, but it let guys know younger than us that like we belong on this level, we can compete on the stage. And then when they got back there two years later and they had Duke and they beat them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that experience that matters and like making sure that you have those moments, you know, as a player and those big moments, it matters. You know what I mean? It's not just for you, but for the guys that are coming up after you. And so if they ever get back there on that stage again, like they're prepared and they, you know, they're ready to take advantage of that moment. And so I'm proud because those young guys, they did. Um, obviously they had CJ McCollum, who's a, a walking bucket. So like, you know, like, I had CJ freshman year and that was CJ junior year. And you saw like, you know, the CJ you see now. Um, well, I mean, that, that was my next question was being, being around him as a freshman. When you see that guy, then are you, are you thinking, Oh, this is going to be an NBA player and a very good one. Or did it take a couple of years for him to grow into that? Uh, it, does, it took some years for him to grow because CJ was like, he was, he was pretty skinny. It was pretty small. So like, you know, there's so much that goes into being drafted and, and all that. But like, he's been a bucket from, from day one, even at, you know, I don't know what he weighed, 140, 150 pounds, 100, whatever he was freshman year. Uh, I might be exaggerating. I might be a little too low, but whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. like there was no denying that, you know, he was the, the player of the year and uh, rookie of the year his freshman year, which is, unheard of in, in any level, you know what I mean? Average 20 as a freshman. Um, and, you know, like his work ethic was a thing that I let me know that he's going to make a lot of money playing basketball no matter what. And I think that a lot of other things, um, you know, he continued to get better. He put himself in position, put his team in a position to be able to perform on a big stage, which you need us, you know, coming out of a little school, uh, like a Lehigh, like a Mammoth. And, uh, and when he got on that stage, he showed out, you know? Um, so 
you know, like and I think by his junior year, I knew probably like going to, going to his junior year, I was like, I know he's got a shot. And then after his junior year, when they played Duke in the tournament, and they had some other big wins throughout that year too. I think they played like Baylor. Maybe went down and beat Baylor and uh, someone else. Like they, had a, they had a couple of big games where they uh, they beat him, and I was like, yeah, he, he's he's ready, he's out. <laughs> and you and you bring up a good point too about and people might not realize this if you if you only follow ACC or or Big Twelve, but those conferences, Patriot League, the MAC, the NEC, they are senior heavy conferences. So for, yeah. for guys that have been there four years, big scores. So for a freshman to win Player of the Year is is even probably more yeah. there than in say the SEC or the Big Twelve. Absolutely, and then also too to, to know like uh, when CJ played, there was another NBA player in the in the conference. Mike Muscala got drafted as well in that same draft uh, in 2013. So like you know, I think you have. A couple different things at play. You have, like you said, it's we're more senior laden, uh, upperclassmen laden at those lower levels. Um, you have, you know, on the other side, they're younger, so they don't get those same experiences. And then the tournament, that's what makes it great. You only got to beat somebody once. Mm-hmm. It's not a seven game series, you know what I mean? Like once. So, uh, you know, anything can happen in that 40 minutes. So, um, you know, that's, that's what's great about the tournament. I can't wait to get back there this year. Hey, here. this has been awesome. Uh, thanks for the time. We finish our interviews with our, with our same three what's good questions. I'll start first. What's, what's something you've done for you lately? Um, I've been taking a lot of this time um, to kind of like kind of get some, a better understanding of like my finances and financial future during this time, um, which has been kind of cool, learning about the stock market and stuff, uh, particularly right now with all the, the craziness you see on TV with GameStop and Reddit all that stuff. Um, so that's been kind of like, a, I call myself like a lifetime learner. And so having a little bit more time to just like learn some things uh, during COVID, that's that's one area I've put a lot of attention in. So um, yeah, man, a lot, a lot of investing and in, in things like that. And then what's, what's something you've done for someone else lately? For someone else, I've been teaching other people kind of like what I'm learning uh, along my journey. Uh, it's, it's something I'm really passionate about, man. Uh, I feel like a lot of people just, we like we don't understand money uh, during this time of COVID. You know, yeah, a lot of people losing their jobs. We learned like how dispensable we might be as an employee. So, you know, you want to be able to do things where you're investing in yourself, uh, putting your money to work um, to help you later in life. Uh, particularly for Black people and people of color, I think it's a lot of uh, financial education that we never really had. And so, um, you know, there's been some, I've had some great teachers, uh, different folks that I follow, Earn Your Leisure on Instagram, uh, Market Mondays, uh, Mark Monroe, um, a lot of great people that have, that have taught in the right way and uh, have tried to kind of like uplift us as a people financially. And so I've been, you know, doing that learning myself and then also uh, trying to teach others. And, and where do you do that teaching? Is that is that online? Do you share that on social? Or how does that happen? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not at that level yet. But more, I'm talking more so like my family, like family members, my brother and sister. You know, if anybody has any questions, uh, please feel free to reach out to me on uh, Instagram at Kapazah is my handle. Um, but yeah, man, it's something I'm really passionate about. I never thought I necessarily would be, but you know, you get enough time at home in quarantine, you start finding out all kinds of things about yourself, you know. <laughs> I just I just want to make sure like we were like plugging plugging the Zaheer School of Finance correctly if that was out there. No, no, no. I, I you know I want to I want to be careful about that because that's that's a slow slope. I am not a financial advisor. <laughs> but 
I certainly, you know, just want people to, you know what I mean, know what they're doing with their, sure. with their money in life and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then last thing, what's, what's something you turn to that makes you laugh if you kind of want to un- unplug from everything else going on in life? Yo, have you watched Ted Lasso? Have you seen yeah, that show? Yeah, I, I love, I love Ted Lasso. Yo, Ted Lasso is hilarious. So I just found Ted Lasso. That's been like my, uh, my thing as of late. So yeah, I'll plug Ted Lasso to that. He's hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I like to watch kind of like the the, the the reality TV stuff, kind of like the dumb stuff to just kind of like laugh and let off some steam. Um, then also too during this time, I've I've uh, been meditating a little bit more, like having like a morning routine. We talked heard uh, Kareem on last week's episode talk about waking up and drinking a glass of water makes him feel good. But uh, yeah, having like a little bit of a morning routine is, is something I've, I've realized helped me to like stay sharp throughout the day and you know stay focused. Did you finish season one of Ted Lasso? I did, man. I was so bummed to realize it was only one season, but I'm but done. it's back. It's uh, coming. You know, they're gonna they're gonna make season two and three. It's Let's not, go. It's not out yet, but it's coming. So that's fantastic. It is. It's got to be the most funny yet positive, uplifting show I've ever seen. Like we needed that show in yes. 2020. Like that show was needed. Uh, I, lo- I love all the other stuff. Obviously, like the Game of Thrones and like all that stuff. We needed something a little light. And uh, Ted Lasso delivered. So. And then, as a as a Philly guy, how much did you love his Allen Iverson speech about practice? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he's he's just got some great one liners like all around. Like you know, he'll like drop a couple like rap lyrics here and there, and I'm like, Yo, what? <laughs> Ted Lasso's the man. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, Zahir, this was awesome, man. Thanks for the time. Uh, best of luck this summer. However, however it bounces uh, for you and the squad going to Tokyo. Thanks so much, man. It was cool chatting with you. Take care, buddy. All right, see you, bud.